Welcome to Seaweed Brain, a Percy Jackson podcast where we are currently discussing the sun and the star, and we have a very exciting set of chapters today because, spoiler alert, some people are going to fall into Tartarus. Honestly, not a spoiler. It's kind finally, we're what? <laughs> 246 pages in? Let's get Deceptively down there. Deceptively far into the book. <laughs> <laughs> we have a returning guest today, so stick around. Yay! Such a fun episode. Chaotic vibes. We're recording like out of order tonight. Carter literally just landed off of a, what, 10, 11 hour flight? 11 hour flight less than an hour ago. It's late into the evening. I didn't have a single Celsius today. We are joined by returning guest, the wonderful, the effervescent, the energetic, the knowledgeable Robert from the Damn Meme Page and 100 Podcasts. Excuse you, only 99 podcasts, but hello. Hi, it's me. Yay. Um, Also, we got called out um, recently for not doing what we said we would and asking our our guests each week how they pronounce His Majesty. So that's on the docket before we get into it today. Robert, do your worst. His Majesty. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What if we also rate it and judge everybody? I'm just going off of the audiobooks, I think, because the audiobook uh, had to go like, like the, the dude goes like, his majesty. But also, I don't trust the audiobook narrator because I guess the canonical way to say the ship name between Percy and Annabeth is Perkabeth. No, literally no. Respectfully um, disagree. I can respect you and also disagree with your opinions at the same time. It's wild. It, it's uh, that's not what I'm here to talk about. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, Robert, I honestly give your interpretation of His Majesty an eight. Thank you. I was You're about welcome. to say the same thing. I think. Wow. Instinct. Yes. <laughs> here we are scrutinizing without offering ourselves up for scrutiny. Let's get into it because our goal today is to go from chapter 25 all the way to chapter 31, like to the end of chapter 31. That's what's on the docket today. A little bit more than we've been doing, but I think it makes sense because mm. a lot of this is kind of just walking around. Um, dramatic walking around, though. Mm. If you'll remember, we last left off leaving Persephone behind at the Hades Palace Garden. Um, Will had this very interesting interaction with her, perhaps out of time. We've retrieved the pomegranates that were needed. We return to Menoides, who we haven't recorded the episode on yet as of right now, um, mm. but I'm sure we'll have talked extensively about him and his relationship <laughs> <laughs> with the Triple G Ranch by now. Um, his Majesty is also there, as is Scratch Bling. They deliver the pomegranates to them, which prompts this very lovely conversation that I would say sparks another little flame of resentment inside of Nico that we are going to see kind of building through the next few chapters as they're walking around. Of course, we know the whole gag with the pomegranates from the garden is that if you eat it, you're stuck in the underworld. I love how you refer to the curse of eating from the underworld as a gag. It's like the whole gag. It's like the whole bit. It's just a silly prank. It's like a silly little bit. 247.3, Manoita sounded like he was about to burst into tears. That is more than I expected. And then he opened his mouth and threw in the first pomegranate. Wow. So... You're not worried about being stuck here forever? Why would I be? Menoides let out a loud burp. I love it here. I don't ever want to leave. And I'm sure Garion would feel the same. We would never be accepted above ground. Where would people like us fit in? I have a job here that I like a lot. I'm in love. 
Why would I ever want to throw that away? Will stared wistfully into the distance. But you're not worried about what you might miss out on in the mortal world? Menoides grunted. Every so often, sure. But I've been working for Nico's father for a long, long time. This is what I'm accustomed to. It's where I feel at home. And it's where Garion is. Nico felt a chasm opening in his heart. He loved what Menoides had just said, but what was this aching sensation? Was Nico envious of the bull man? Nico knew that for practical reasons, Will would never offer to stay here with him. That was fair. The underworld had been negatively affecting Will since they'd arrived, but there was something about Menoides' confidence in Garion that felt distant to Nico, out of reach. Nico's fingers found their way into the pocket of his jeans where they traced the image embossed on the coin. Maybe he was overthinking this. Maybe the underworld was starting to wear on him, too. Whoa. Oh, gosh. (laughs) The specificity Uh. with which Nico's inner feelings are outlined in this book is so beautiful, and it hurts me. That unnameable chasm he feels because he he doesn't have that same confidence in his partner that he wishes he had? Yeah. Oh. I I would say it's less confidence and more like, you know, I want that. I understand my boyfriend will die if he spends more than a few days here, but I want that. I want to live with my dad and my boyfriend. Yeah. He wants that same sense of unabashed home and, like, uncomplicated home, which is not what he has. Yeah. And I think that the way that Menoides is talking, exactly, Menoides is also framing this definitely as a choice. Like, he's acknowledging that, you know, there are limitations, but that he thinks that the trade-off is good, that it's better to be accustomed to things and to be in a place that you know well, in a situation of comfort with people you care about. Nico and Will are just clearly not (laughs) going to make that trade-off, and Nico is in a place where he needs to think about what it means to also make that choice. <laughs> Nico does have lives in two places. Um, mm. More so than other demigods who maybe, I don't know, Apollo kids have lives on the stage and also in real life. <laughs> Nico has a life in the underworld and a life on the mainland. Just um, say Will's, wait, they confirm Will's bisexuality in the last, I think they confirm it in the Persephone chapters. Oh, that's so mm. true. We can talk yes, about that now. Do. Homies canonically by. <laughs> canonically chaotically by. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure y'all will we'll talk about that, but it is it's not that it sits wrong with me, but it sits in a way when he's talking to Persephone is like, I'm very aware that I'm bi right now. It made sense to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I thought this was very special. Anyway, not again, the spark of this aching sensation, which because Nico is not necessarily the best at dealing with his emotions does turn into like this weird tension slash resentment that we're going to, mm see play out through the next couple chapters. Um, Menoides shares some important information here, important to the plot, basically that everyone can hear Bob. It's not just Nico. Record scratch. What? (laughs) That's freaky. Also that apparently Percy and Annabeth are like mad famous in the underworld as well. Quote, Bob is pretty legendary around these parts. What he did for Percy and Annabeth, those of us who care about the underworld and what happens in the mortal world won't forget that. But after that incident with the Doors of Death, we're all prohibited from entering Tartarus, so none of us can go confront her. Her, said Will, you mean Nyx. She's obsessed with Bob. He represents everything she hates. So more confirmation about Nyx's villain ideology being anti-change, anti-progress, growth, 
leaving your trauma behind. You were born one thing. You have to remain that thing until you die. Yes, even if that thing is trauma and darkness. The last piece of this information is that um, Nyx is apparently not only like holding Bob, but like actively torturing him by forcing him to like stay in a regeneration bubble until he just decides to not be Bob anymore yep. and be Optus yeah. again. Conversion therapy? Ah. Uh. Yeah, you could definitely make that parallel. Nico has to clutch Will's shoulder and be like, that's too cruel, even for Nyx. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, is it? Is it? She sounds a lot like, you know, the kind of mom that's like, my kid's not gay. I'll show you. Oh, gosh. You know, this is actually the first time I made that short hop, skip, leap, and a jump to it being like conversion therapy. But having read Into the Light, which I know you also read, Robert yeah. Mark's book published Ooh. right before this one that Ooh. is definitely a theme present in that book um so i wouldn't be surprised if that was an intentional illusion here menoides um tells them that they're gonna go to see damasen oh my god this was awesome i was like when is this showing up very exciting especially because we had that little teaser with nemesis's house earlier that didn't end up being damasen's cottage we're in like total quest of video game mode Menoides is like that is where you will find like you are going to take the troglodyte shortcut and then you will get there and see if he can help you um <laughs> and they're like okay we have our next steps this is also our confirmation because we didn't get the confirmation at the end of house of hades that damason did die fighting the draken and that they're hoping he regenerates or that he's regenerated by now so that he'll be there to greet them that is such a good point he literally went down in a blaze of glory last time, or we weren't sure because mm. we left as he was battling, right? Yeah. Oh, epic. Oh, okay. man. It feels so long ago that y'all did House of Hades, even though it was maybe a year <laughs> ago, I think. Was it a year ago? Imagine it's been even longer since we like read it for the first time, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Almost like, what, 10 years? Yeah. Wow. Ooh-wee. Shout out to the book we where we found out our boy Nico is gay, and now and we're- here we are. And here we are in the future, and it's bright. That's the hope I have. The only thing I know is keeping me alive. Mm. Robert made a Steven Universe reference and Erica countered with a Paramore reference. The Paramore So we're keeping track of everything. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the translation. The two genders, Steven Universe and Paramore. I think that's the same gender, dare I say. The same gender, just different flavors. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Because of the fact that they can all hear Bob screaming, it's not just this like solo quest that Nico is on. Menoides is really like, yeah, you need to get in there and like stop Nyx because A, I can't do it myself and B, like... Who knows? Like, it starts with Bob, and then what? She's going to, like, have a reign of tyranny over the entire underworld. I thought this was an important reframing of the quest. Because it's been semi-small scale until now. Even though they're, like, going to Tartarus, it was for one very specific thing. Mm. That theoretically didn't have to do with anything else. No. But we're thinking about the rights of people who live here. Exactly. We have buy-in and opinions from from other affected parties. And that's important. Yeah. Nico is mad angry, especially at the thought that Nyx is uh, making people suffer. Other entities who are just trying to be reborn, maybe to change into something better. And so the trogs lead them on to the shortcut. And we get, boo, turn the page, a little canoe interlude scene. (laughs) Gorgyra is like, Jason meant a great deal to you. Yes, he was the first to truly accept you. We're going to have to get Wrong. over it at some point. Wrong. And just, no, guys, we're going to have no. to just go with we're what is now canon. Over this. It's so it's funny that this is what Gorgira says 
back in Jason's POV in that chapter, his thought process was like, well, the gods have done worse. So I guess gay people are okay. Not to compare the rhetoric to we are all sinners rhetoric, but like, wasn't it giving that a bit? It kind of was. And that's bad. The retconning is working on me, guys. I just want to pretend that they were friends. I mean, the book wants (laughs) me to pretend they were friends. (laughs) Nico says exactly. And I wasn't there to help at the end. I couldn't save him, which is totally fair. Like, I think that that sentiment would be just as powerful if we didn't pretend like they were friends. Like if it was just another person that Nico knew and had experiences Mm -hmm. with that he couldn't save. Yeah, for sure. My (laughs) already at this point when we were reading, I was like, wait, does this timeline make sense to me? So like Nico and Will, when we meet them at the beginning of the trials of Apollo, they're like in the relationship. Everyone is treating this as like a known. They just haven't kissed. Yeah. Wow. That like took me back a little bit. They want to move slow. They save their first kiss for like six months of dating. Who's to blame them? They're teenagers. Let them move at the pace. Why not? Let them move at the pace (laughs) they want. Especially Nico with all his trauma that he has to undergo severe therapy from Dionysus. First queer relationship for both of them. First, first relationship, relationship for both of them. Yeah. Although I don't know, I kind of feel like Will has has had like a girlfriend every six months. You know, (laughs) this is an important um, aspect. There are like these voices that are like pulling from Gorgaiwa's dress, which we find out about a little bit after this. They are like whispering to him, you wish for him to return. You resent that he left you. You are worried that this one will leave you too. The last whisper was a punch to the gut. Nico sobbed because that was his biggest fear, wasn't it? That's what he worried awaited them at the bottom of the plunge. Will would die. Will would sacrifice himself. Will would be left behind. Um, So his biggest fear, I wouldn't say it's abandonment, but it's being alone, which makes so much sense. And I've never really thought about that. It's interesting the way that your like fatal flaw can play into your biggest fear because for Nico's fatal flaw being holding grudges, it's like pushing people away, right? Before they can leave you. So like if he chooses to be alone, it's more powerful than him being left alone. Yes. Does that make I, sense? I don't think yeah. I explained that well at all. I also <laughs> want to point out that Gorgaira's like gown dress, what do we call it? Her her outfit, let's just say outfit, is like <laughs> made fit. up. <laughs> her fit is like made out of the souls of the super the sad yeah. yeah oh my god that's the yeah that's once we catch up in a couple chapters we have the whole acheron business which reminds me of the last time a character had to deal with clothing made out of the souls of the dead which was hades when, yeah when percy beat Eesh. up hades and like threw the the robe of the souls of the damned into the river sticks God, good times we've had together. Long time ago, last Olympian. That's so even many adventures. Ago. Oh, remember that time that Percy beat up Nico in the underworld? The wording of the book doesn't make like the wording of the timeline doesn't make sense to me. I don't know if this is the fall directly after the Tower of Nero or the next fall, like next year, because they don't exactly specify that. But either way, that means the entire Camp Half Blood Chronicles takes place over six or seven years. Yeah, no, because time really slows down after the year-by-year book release of the original series. Yeah. Yeah. Will pulls a real Kristoff here and goes, I'm right here for whatever you need. We have each other. That's (laughs) Kristoff in Frozen 2, of course, uh, is what Mm. I'm speaking of. Yes. Excellent film. Absolutely. The souls called to me. I had to help them. (laughs) Lonely souls finding one another is always a good thing. I thought about Stephanie's dress here, Um, the dress she chose to wear on the book tour. Mm. It was like white with like the little like outlined faces on it. So specific. Uh, So such a (laughs) good idea. I love how 
Gogaira is like, here, here's my boat. Just leave, please. That's exactly what I thought. She was like, okay, that's enough. You guys can leave now. <laughs> and then, oh my freaking God. Nico reached into the pocket of his jeans. He took out the coin, running his fingers over the embossing until he traced every bit of it. You brought my gift, said Will, smile lines crinkling around his eyes. Great minds think alike. He reached inside the collar of his shirt and pulled out his gold chain. On it glinted Nico's ring. First of all, not him mixing metals with the silver <laughs> ring on the gold chain, but I guess that's the metaphor for their relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, I flipped out when I read this for the first time. That the ring is gone? Okay. Wow, Carter. No, the <laughs> ring is with his beloved. Um, yeah. <laughs> someone really doesn't like Will still. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't mean that by ads. He, he takes a little bit of getting used to Nico. I'm 100 percent on in on. I love him. He's my son. I've known him since Titans Curse. Will I kind of only really started to know him at the end of Heroes of Olympus. Uh, this is a massive deal, and we'll talk about it a little bit more later. But later. I freaked out when I read this. I was like, yeah. "Not him getting the ring? Oh my god! Like mm. I, we've been there." He started twisting that silver skull ring years ago. Yeah. We've really been on this journey. Yeah. yeah. That's history. We're back in the main timeline. Our boys, the trogs, are leading us down the path. Yes, we're walking. And then we get attacked. We get attacked by Drakens. Will falls. Oh, Will. The trogs are very handy. They help uh, defeat the Draken. Etc. Nico is like, Will, why are you wearing cargo shorts? But then as Nico is like healing Will, we see that Will is not automatically healing himself. This is weird because usually Apollo kids just kind of like their wounds close up. Like that scene in The Lightning Thief where Logan Lerman sticks his hand in the river. They just kind of go, whoop. But that's not happening. So Nico couldn't shake the feeling that the wound had simply opened as if Will's body was unraveling from the inside under the stress of being in the underworld. That's spooky Yuki. Something was deeply wrong if Will's wounds weren't closing. This is this is scary. The stakes are are being elevated. Nico is like, but we haven't even gone to Tartarus yet. And Will's like, I know, I know, but I'm tougher than you think. I'm like, Will, are you? <laughs> I don't know about this. I was also wondering this myself. I was like, literally, are we at this point? I was like, wait, is this gonna be one of those twist yes. books where we don't even actually go to Tartarus? Because we are so far in it. I thought the same so much thing. I was like, we're not gonna make it. Will? Physically, <laughs> I do remember listening to the audiobook at uh, when the book first came out. And I'm like, this is going on a little too long. Why aren't we in Tartarus yet? Yeah, I thought something really bad was going to happen or like we were going to get a sequel. And then we stop. And where has Scratch Bling led us to? It is the Acheron, the River of Pain. Oh, my God. We're finally caught up. This is the river we've been at in the canoe interludes. This is so exciting. Just as we were thinking, like, we haven't even gone to Tartarus yet. Like, where is all of this going? Like, we need these threads to be tied together. And then, bam, next page. There they are. They're talking about all the different rivers in the underworld, educating Will. Um, little white boyfriend moment with the... <laughs> you know, I'm not going to go there. You don't need to do that tonight. The sticks is spicy. <laughs> Wait, we also, we, we skipped over something really quickly, which is that when we're having this Draken fight, Will gets hurt, but they do win. And the reason why they win is because the Trogs, I forgot about this completely. The Trogs have like super speed. And the Trogs just like, what were they saying? They like grab Nico's sword and like push it into the right place. Yeah, they move really it. Really fast. Yeah. They, they like accurately move it so that it can slice exactly at the Draken's weak point. 
But now we're back. Yes, we have the five rivers. We run through the rivers. We got the leaf, the phlegathon, the sticks, the cachytus, and then the acheron. Will stood straighter, probably sensing Nico's hesitation. So it's the river of pain. I can deal with pain. Scratch bling adjusted his scorched tricorn hat. If only that's all it was, son of Apollo. His majesty whimpered in agreement. The acheron is also the river of punishment. This is important. Where were we just talking about punishment? And retribution in our encounter <laughs> with Nemesis. We find out, like, it's not, first of all, the pain isn't just physical, right? It rips your soul to pieces, etc. It makes you feel bad about everything you've done, every bad thought. You feel agony and guilt until you have been purified. I felt that one because yeah. me, me AF. Um, <laughs> and, then Will's like, and then after that's done, you get out, right? And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. You'll have been dissolved into a fine sentiment of eternal misery. Still conscious, but probably not sane. I'm like, mood. Mo- no, for real. Because also, like, we find out, like, the the souls that end up in the Acheron, they're particularly... They're so bad that they don't even go to the field of punishment. They go directly to the River Acheron. But it's not even that they like did bad things. It's that they themselves felt they were bad. And that's how they like ended up there, which really hit very close. I, You know, <laughs> shame, guilt. These are things that we all need to unpack. Essentially, now Nico and Will have like a f- like like an argument about this argument. <laughs> This is the why I said earlier just... that there was a spark of resentment brewing because this argument has been Nico has been like ready ready to just yell about something, you know. The argument is pretty much I'm a bad person. No, shut up. You're great. I'm a bad person. No, shut up. You've endured so much. I'm a bad. And they just have that for like five minutes, and the trogs are like, um, should should we go? Oh my god, can we read this real quick? That's at the bottom of two seventy. Will took another step back. His eyes looked haunted in a way Nico had never seen. I'm worried about both of us, Nico. And you're just as good a person as I am. I know you've had a tough life, but... A tough life? It's more than just tough, Will. Son of Hades? His majesty tried to interrupt. That's not what I meant. But you haven't done anything you deserve to be punished for. How do you know? Do you know everything I've been through? What I've done? What I've had to do just to survive? No! Because you won't tell me! Oof. Ouch. Oh, guys. Oh. By the way, they're having this argument because they're they're under the assumption they have to swim in the River yeah. Acheron. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we have to endure that pain 100%. And, and the, the trogs are like, um, we weren't done explaining. You can go over to that lady over there. She's waving high and ask for her boat. You don't need to swim in the river. <laughs> I really appreciate the fights that they have in this book. I really thought going into this that it was just going to be this like romantic... Oh, yeah. like, look at their love. It's so beautiful. It's so sweet. Like it works so well the because world. we do need that. Yeah. yeah, we need that representation. We want it to be like Praise of Beth. But this is so much more true to Nico and realistic and also really important as readers to see what it's like for somebody with a lot of insecurity and a fear of being alone to try and navigate a relationship. Mm. Oh, okay. So unfortunately... Um, for some kind of like semi-mysterious reason, I'm not sure if you guys know the answer to this, like His Majesty and Screech Bling leave them here because they say she cannot help us. Yeah, I'll allow it. Are they implying that they're not lonely? That they're not gay? No, they're both <laughs> gay. 
They're both gay. I mean, his majesty is non-binary, so we have that. His majesty is non-binary. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's just Gogaira helps those who are lonely. Lonely, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the vibe they're going for. They have a beautiful community. Yeah, and his majesty is like, I have found my calling. I'm not sure when I'll see you again because I have I have decided to stay with Menoides and herd cattle. And I'm like, mm, oh, woo. Oh, woo. It's so <laughs> sweet. Oh. I'm once again sorry for infantilizing the tiny frogs. I, oh. <laughs> They're so cute. He's found his calling. Meanwhile, I guess Screechblink is just going to go back. He's like, yeah, we need a new leader now. I need a sequel book to figure out like, who is determined to be the new leader of the troglodytes? What if the new book that Rick is working on is a troglodyte standalone novel? <laughs> <laughs> we get more into their culture. Mm. That would be really exciting. Yeah, this is important because, of course, everyone is making choices. Something that Nico is going to be forced to do. They're making choices. They're progressing. They're learning new things. Um, all of these things that Nix is, is against and that we are promoting here. Um, in this story. That's so beautiful. The trogs exchanged a look as if silently agreeing that staying a moment longer would lead to ugly sobbing and vanished in a cloud of dust. Nico remained silent, stewing in his shame and irritation. Yeah, he's pretty ashamed that like the last moment they had with the troglodytes was them watching him and Will argue, but you know, it just be how it be. But listen, remaining silent, stewing in your shame and irritation, that's so relatable. <laughs> Another move. Real. Yeah. I would say I spend like 30% of my life silent, stewing in my shame and irritation. And if you asked me when I was, what, how old are they? 16? They're like 16-ish. Yeah. Oh my God. If you asked me when I was 16, I would say 75% of my time, I was silent and stewing in my shame and irritation. The other 25% of my time, I was loud and stewing in my shame and irritation. <laughs> hey, quickly, speaking of ages, if this takes place the fall after the Tower of Nero, does that mean we've passed August 18th? Is Percy finally 18 years old? Rick, please give this to me. My brain you know how Marvel actors, when they get asked like a question, they're like, there's like a chip in their brain that like fries them and they can't talk anymore. That's yeah. how I feel when someone's like, is Percy 18 yet? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm so upset when we went to the the event, the book event, and like they were doing questions. I'm like, shit, if I had known that I would have put in my question and be like, Rick, please confirm that he's 18. <laughs> That or I would have been like, Rick, say America's bad. Rick, say America is bad. <laughs> to call back to an old seaweed ranger. That's a meme that Robert made for our podcast like way, way long Gosh, ago. Way long ago when I was consistent with the meme page. Well, we make it to the Acheron. Her gown was made of the same sort of billowing gossamer fabric. But unlike the nature spirits in the world above, this woman's eyes and skin were tinged blue instead of green. Her plump lips were the darkest indigo. Her gray dress seemed to whisper with plaintive voices, similar to the damned souls woven in. Oh, woven into his father's robes. Oh, so there is a connection. Yep. Oh just, my gosh, look at that. That yes. I just kind of forgot about until now. Here we are. Timelines are converging. We are meeting Gorgyra. Um, we're getting all of the information um, that we kind of were missing this entire time. We've been inferring. So it's almost weird. We're getting these like threads of memory coming back to us. Nico is like, I'm sorry, we don't know who you are, which is real as readers were like, wait, who is this person? Like, you know, we've really exhausted <laughs> the canon of like familiar mythological Greek figures at this point. We're yeah. like, who are you? <laughs> shout out, shout out to Kimapalea. I remember her. Yeah, Kimapalea. Shout mm. out also to the goddess of nets. Bridgemartis. <laughs> uh, he goes like, I'm sorry, we don't know who you are. I did not expect you to. 
The whispers in her gown grew in intensity until Nico could almost make out what they were saying. I imagine there are no stories told of me in the upper world, since very few have ever made it here. And where is here? At the edge. She cast her gaze downstream where the river Acheron vanished over the precipice. Like most things, the underworld has an end. You have reached it. (coughs) And if we needed to go beyond the edge? This is so epic. Can we just acknowledge that? <laughs> they made it to the edge of the underworld. That's such like a adventurous, like old timey, like we're going to sail to the edge of the universe type thing. Like we're on the precipice of something huge. It kind Absolutely. of reminds me, I think, but I think it was the sticks. It kind of reminds me in like the ending of Tower of Nero where Apollo is like dangling over the edge of nothing. Yes. With Python. Yeah. Well, Python like sitting on the edge of the void. Python went over. Python's in the void. Oh, Python's Python. gone forever. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But Apollo is hanging there. Styx is over him being like, yeah, did you learn your lesson? And he's like, yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. But it's the same sort of vibes. I would feel, I don't know. It makes me feel homesick. There's something <laughs> about being on the edge of a void that makes me feel like, wow, we're really unmoored here. Like we've really come a long way. Yeah. They're trying to get more information about the boat and they're like, hey, so... Like, I know this is the drop over the abyss into Tartarus. Is it survival- survivable in your boat? And Gogaira's like, survivable. <laughs> Such a relative term here in the underworld. That's real, though. Are they dead? <laughs> My <laughs> husband and I have survived. But is that the same as living? It's the same sort of philosophical question that was in episode three of The Last of Us where Ron Swanson's character was just about survival. The gay but, one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, of course, the gay episode. The gay episode, one of two. And the other one is like, there's more to survival. There's living. Murray Bartlett. There we go. I'll never forget when he pooped in that suitcase. Absolutely. Oh, God. You know what Hawaiian Airlines flights now? They have a little White Lotus banner from oh, season one. That's terrifying. Why would they do that? <laughs> I think they need to strike more fear into people's hearts. No, that's true. That's a good idea. That's the white people idea. on that plane were um, unhinged. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of striking fear into our hearts, Rick and and Mark are like, yeah. So Gogaira, your husband's the Akron. Is he like? Is he the river? Is he your husband? Yes. Oh my god! Can I read this? Yes. <laughs> the sadness in Gogaira's expression was almost unbearable. I'm not sure there is a difference anymore. Over the centuries, he has lost his physical form and his sense of self. One can only absorb so much pain from others. The souls who are consigned to his waters, their sins and wrongdoings are so overwhelming, they forget all that was ever good in their lives. And so has Acheron. When I read this, I couldn't stop thinking about Stephanie Laurie closing out the live book tour, being like, and now I have to get back to my husband, who was also a river. And then she just like got up and left. Slave queen. I never get the sound of her saying that out of my head with that that accent that she was doing, being like, yeah. and now I have to get back to my husband, who is also a river. Yeah. Oh, God. I love her. It's just, it's great. They're like, hey, can we borrow your boat? And Gogaira's like, oh, it's, it's sweet of you to ask. And this is also where Nico, in particular, is starting to hear the voices of sadness in Gogaira's robes. Yes. And... I guess they're reflecting his thoughts because they're clear in his mind. He's like, I'll never find anyone who loves me. Why don't I get a family? What's wrong with me? Why couldn't she just feel the same about me? What did I do wrong? Do I deserve to be loved? And it's just mm. literally they are so wrapped up in their own shame and guilt that they can't see any of the good that they did in their lives. 
I was just having that conversation with my therapist and she had no answers for me. She was like, you need to separate your rational thoughts from your irrational thoughts. So I suppose these are all the irrational thoughts here. Um, That doesn't help me because I'll separate them, but I'll still have them. I was like, no, I think I only have irrational thoughts. I don't think I have the rational. Like I literally cannot translate this into rational thought. (laughs) Anyone have advice on that? Please let me know. So (laughs) her dress is indeed made out of lonely souls. She says she's not going to hurt them. They found her because they needed her. I thought the souls in the Acheron were guilty of terrible crimes. Why would you want them near you? Gorgyra smoothed her skirts. Not all the souls are so terrible. Those I collect are the lost, the remorseful, the ones whose greatest crimes were against themselves. I, I don't understand. Gorgyra arched her dark eyebrows. Do you not, Will Solis? Self-doubt, despair, fear, guilt, shame. So many ways we do harm to ourselves and convince ourselves we do not deserve a place in the fabric of the world. I try to show these lonely souls that even here at the edge of eternal darkness, there is a chance for hope. Is that not what has brought you and Nico here as well? I don't know. It's getting a little Fuck. too close to home. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I do love that Nico and Will are like, wait, how do you know our names? <laughs> uh, she's like, don't worry about it. That was their takeaway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. She was like, guilt, fear, shame. Don't you feel these things? And they were like, oh, how do you know our names? Classic ADHD. Well, they're on their they're on their guard right now. You know, usually if like a mythical being knows your name, that's probably a bad sign. Yeah. She collects stories, basically. She almost extracts Nico and Will's like, wispy story threads yeah um, and then nico's like stop it stop and she says i will not take threads without consent i only wish to demonstrate that i can hear you i want to hear you there is a yearning in both of you and it begs to be heard and this is when i started thinking about what gorgyra stands in for here we've talked about how she really is the reader and she is all of us we've talked about how she's the editor of their story She's also like the therapist here, like guiding them through telling their story, but really the positive parts. Yeah, it's just like she's functioning in all of those roles. Yes. And in particular, the scene that we're getting to involves her figuring out a way to use these different skills and bring these different roles to bear on the relationship between Nico and Will and the way that they understand each other. There's... I think a very profound moment where um, Nico is shocked by how much Gorgyra's message is resonating with Will mm. and that Nico is able to access a different side of Will and to understand his emotionality and the richness and the spectrum that exists there more deeply in a way that is very protective for their relationship and is kind of getting at the crux of this it doesn't maybe feed into the like the white boyfriend allegorization as much, but I think it does speak to, in a different way, the um, central conflict and dynamic that we've been seeing between the two of them throughout about whether or not Will is capable of fundamentally understanding this aspect of Nico's life. Can we read from the top of 279 just to the end of Gorgyra's little paragraph there? What do you want from us? We need your boat. Do we have to complete some kind of quest to get it? Not in the way you think, she said softly, and sat down again by the fire. The boat will help you survive the plunge, yes. It will not completely shield you from the effects of Acheron, but it will make the voyage possible. 
Will pulled himself upright. He leaned against Nico's shoulder for strength. And what do you want in exchange? Gorgyra gazed into the flames. There is only one currency among the lonely, to help us feel part of the texture of the world again. And you need to share it as much as I need to receive it. Nico growled. Enough with the riddles. We'll do it. We can't turn back now. Oh, oh, this is literally the meaning of this book. This is the reason behind writing this book. This is the beauty of having this book now and reading it and getting to talk about it. We were just talking about Mark reaching across the void and like gifting this to us. Yeah, actually, literally. This felt very special. I think as a theater person, storyteller, whatever, like this really hit me in the guts. But we will have already discussed the Nico coming out chapter at this point in which Will makes a point of being like, you made everybody else feel safe and you made so many people brave and like comfortable being themselves. And obviously that's Will saying that to Nico, but that's also like us as like a fandom, like thanking the character Mm -hmm. for doing what he did. And this is just another moment of that, like sort of like meta layer, like I think Rick and Mark speaking to the reader and being like, this book is for you. So you don't feel lonely. Just like Nico is here for you. And then the next chapter, it starts off with like, I think this was so sick. Is this not how like the prologue starts? Like the very first chapter? It is. Is This is the very beginning. They just reprinted. Yeah. Chapter two. So you flip (laughs) to these pages. What is it? It's technically 280 and 281. It's chapter 28, which is the past. And then chapter 29, which is now the present. So we are officially locked in as of page 282, which is so sick. We're caught up to the timeline. Just the graph. Like this would not hit the same if it was like, you didn't open the page and it was like left and right, chapter 28, chapter 29, you know? Very well spaced out, very well designed. I can compliment the pacing of the book, taking little breaks to like show the conversation that Will and Nico have with Gagaira and like the stories they tell her. Because if this was just like five chapters of direct being like, here are all the stories between us, th- that that would be a little bit of a, a, a real hard stop in where we're, where we're currently at. Yeah. Yeah. Would not be effective, yeah. I believe it was Mark thinking about the way that they were going to develop out Nico and Will's relationship while also telling the story of this book that led to the idea of doing the like interspersed narrative because this way we see the past. We see the past while we're traveling through the present, but from a timeline that is technically ahead of the current present, which is fun. But also in the way that these stories are strengthening Nico and Will, they're also strengthening us as we're journeying Mm. through this book to get to Tartarus. We think just as we're seeing them kind of bickering in in the current timeline, we're witnessing how they like fell in love. Yeah. Their last story that they tell, like in chapter 29, is why they switched or why they traded keepsakes. Yes. Which is both heartfelt and also a little funny because they're like, well, we did it after the Battle of Nero. Oh, right. You probably don't know about that. Well, we had to explain um, this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> just the whole backstory <laughs> of Trials of Apollo. And I mean, arguably, you don't have to read Trials of Apollo to read this book. They kind of do really reference and elaborate out the plot just enough for you to be like, y- you get the idea. You get the gist. Yeah. Yeah. I wish someone told us that. Um Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, just kidding. We had a good time. We had a good time. It was literally all worth it for Tyrant's Tomb, Reyna laughing in Apollo's face. (laughs) Yeah. Like I said earlier, 
The trading of the keepsakes got me so good. We don't need to talk about how on one side of the coin, it's like Will's pectoral sun tattoo, blah, 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 blah. And the other side, it's the helm of Hades, which represents us together, two sides of one coin. Will says, I gave it to Nico. So if we ever got separated, he would know I was thinking of him no matter where he was. Will is like, I've never given such a personal gift before. And Nico's like, you you did great, babe. It's perfect. I love it. And in exchange, I gave him my ring. And Nico says, I'd had that ring for a long time, but it needed to be with Will. So he'd always know how I feel about him. (sighs) (laughs) Because Nico just said, like, just realized, I guess, that his greatest fear is being alone. You know, so when he feels most alone, he has that little reminder with him. Imagine being (laughs) such a perfect couple that the spirits of I hate myself so much. I think I'm a bad person come up and they're like, hope you might just make it. You keep that one close. Someone like that is a rare find. You are not alone. But also, but also the point is that they're not a perfect couple. Yeah. Yeah. The spirits aren't saying that. The spirits are saying there is something valuable in this that we can identify. I think that's profound. They are deeply not perfect. They both have a lot to overcome. Yeah. But there is something in the two of them. That invisible thread, invisible thread, the string connecting them, the celestial bodies orbiting one another, that like ethereal connection, but also this like real, we're seeing these little tangible things that they do to support each other. This gift really, oh God. I'd had that ring for a long time, but it needed to be with Will. I can't. I can't. It's so sweet. It's so vulnerable. It's like here I am literally giving you like my iconic, my piece of iconography is now like with you. Yeah. I am somehow stable enough in myself that like I don't need that anymore. But yeah, we we do remember that pretty much every time that ring has been referenced, it's when Nico is worried is under is worried and he's like twirling it on his finger yes to give it to will so freely and just be like here i need i need you to have it so you can remember how i feel about you i'm like ah this is this is so cute on so many levels it's also absolutely like high school first boyfriend <laughs> thing you do. oh yeah when you like train <laughs> stuffed animals childhood memento that's so you're so right yeah yeah it's also the symbol of like for nico I will worry less or like, I am not afraid to worry around you or like, I will give you my worry by giving you my ring. Like I am entrusting my fears with you and my vulnerability mm-hmm. Yeah, by giving him his fidget spinner. They also have a quick talk with Go- Gogaira about going down into Tartarus and they're like, Hey, so how do we bring you back your boat? Like it's, it's, it's a one way trip, isn't it? And she's like, first, no, the boat comes back to me. It's just how it goes. And second, <laughs> you're thinking of it wrong. It's the river of pain. Like life, it flows in a circle. And we're like, Oh, that's that. Mm, that's they true. got so deep with this one. <laughs> this part, actually, I keep saying these parts wrecked me, but this was a really good run of chapters today. Nico curled his fingers around the coin. He dreaded the upcoming journey, but he also felt the residual warmth of the stories they had shared. They clung to him, wrapping around him like a protective layer. Page later, thank you, Gorgaira, Nico said quietly. The stories were to give us strength for the journey, weren't they? That is just Percy Jackson tattoo level material. Like someone (laughs) go for it. The stories were to give us strength for the journey, Weren't they? 
not only are we like reading this book that's a story, but we're reading like the Reardon verse is literally about the stories of old and yeah. how they manifest still and how they're present and how they're around us. And how they help us tell the stories and our stories. Yes. And also that like we talked many, many eons ago in our like very first or second special episode about like queer classic myths and how like the existence mm-hmm. of these myths and like queer representation m- helps you know that we've always been here. We have a past, we have a future and that you're not alone. And this book is just part of a big, beautiful tradition. And also comes at a very poignant time in our culture when books are being banned. Yeah. Libraries are under threat. They also do have a moment that I do want to read where they talk more a little bit about pain. And Gugara's like, pain helps us learn. It's unfortunate, but we rarely forget the lessons taught to us in these moments of pain. Pain is inescapable. Will sounded like he was talking mostly to himself. I guess that's hard for me to wrap my mind around because I'm a healer. I'm always trying to reduce pain. Bam! That is such an important realization for him. Yeah. One that we predicted accurately. Yeah, the metaphors are coming together, as well as um, a modern understanding of uh, medical science uh, across different subdisciplines. <laughs> <laughs> Will has one of those nursing sheets in his bag with all the, the like smiley face and the frowny face spectrum and he's like nico where are you feeling right now how's the level of pain (laughs) on a scale of one to ten how would you rate your pain baymax (laughs) yes well here folks folks is where we get the much teased lil nas x reference (laughs) fucking a i i texted you when i heard this and i was like they did not they did not (laughs) it's funny on so many levels because nico's the one who knows who little nas x is Will does not. It's also implied Nico watched the video. And if we all remember, the only internet access at Camp Half-Blood is the like... Big house Dell desktop computer. (laughs) Yeah, the dial-up Dell desktop computer that's protected by like a shit ton of celestial bronze so monsters don't come. (laughs) It would just be funny to me so much if like you get an hour of computer time, like you could reserve it at camp and Nico... First of all, we need an explanation how Nico knows how to use a computer, how Nico knows how to use YouTube. <laughs> He's He grew up in Mussolini, Italy. How does this boy know what the internet is? He started using computers when he was like 10 or 9 or something. It's not... Dionysus taught him. I think it, I think it checks out. It's also, of course, another check for the timeline of the verse because it's like... It's this weird timeless void that will have So Yesterday be a song that was well known, quote unquote, six years ago in the timeline. But it'll also reference things like Doctor Who and Little Nas X. And I'm like, what is this timeline? (laughs) And Fortnite. Yeah. We exist in this little universe where Hilary Duff is popular at the same time as Little Nas X. I love it. Yeah, I want to live in that timeline. I think there's something also so precious about the layering of the emo (laughs) boyfriend onto the other idea that I think most people would not expect to juxtapose cleanly on top of this, which is the um, how would you say the like mean pop culture obsessed gay person? (laughs) How would you say look in a mirror? Well, like when we think about the tropes that exist around gay people, it's not the same. It's not the same trope, right? Like traditionally, these are two separate characters. Yeah, but we know from real life that they're not two separate. They're the same. 
And that the mean person who wears a lot of leather is also the same person who is going to stop you and say, we are actually going to be watching several clips from the Jimmy Awards before we go out. You know? (laughs) I'm sorry, who did that? Because it wasn't me. Did you do that to someone recently? I had a recent conversation with somebody about the Jimmy Awards where I had to explain what the Jimmy Awards were. Who was it? Because they just happened, huh? They like just happened. I think somebody was talking about Andrew Berthfeld. <laughs> oh, of course it was about Andrew. Yeah. He's a little angel. Yeah, he's famous now. I think we can uh, journey down into Tartarus here. I don't know how much we want to talk about specifics other than just like, here we are mimicking the Persebeth Fall. I was going to say that chapter 30 is just this nice little chapter where they're, ch- where they're kind of fighting the River Acheron's powers where the river Acheron is showing a lot of memories and it's showing him slaying demons in the battle of Manhattan. But then it also shows him holding Bianca's lifeless body, which is something that never happened, but it is still a memory. And yeah, no, I relate definitely to remembering things that didn't happen. And even though they didn't happen, it still affects me. Yeah. And this is specifically, they're falling into Tartarus, but they're falling into Tartarus on the Acheron, right? The river of pain. So these are all like his sorest spots that made him feel the most alone, guilty, shameful, regretful. And then like they kind of fight against the Acheron and they start paddling. They get the oars, they start paddling. They have the I'm here, I've got you moment. And then they fell into nothingness, which the chapter sort of eerily ends the same way that like the chapter that when Percy and Annabeth fell into Tartarus ends. I have Mark and Athena right in front of me. I want to pull up the exact quote. Hold go on. for it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Then Percy let go of his tiny ledge, and together, holding hands, he and Annabeth fell into the endless darkness. That's it. Part of the mission of this book was to cement Solangelo as a ship that was like as important as Percibeth. Mm-hmm. Really feel that here in this moment, in their version of the fall, which of course, like. Percy and Annabeth fell in the context of like this big, you know, adventure, like surrounded by all these people, like is like testament to their love. And Nico and Will are stumbling down the river of pain, uh, reliving their sh- shame and guilt and having just had a fight a couple pages ago because one of them is deeply insecure and the other one is really trying to do his best to not fix him. This yeah. is the gay version of falling into Tartarus. <laughs> <laughs> when chapter 31 starts and he's falling into Tartarus and he's like, the first time Nico fell into Tartarus. It had somehow seemed to last a long time and no time at all. But right then, as he and Will plunged through the void, it seemed to take days, which reminds me of Annabeth's POV from House of Hades, the first one. Yeah. Where, nine um, days, right? Nine days. As she fell, Annabeth thought about Hyacid. He, I don't know how to fucking pronounce this. The old Greek poet who'd speculated it would take nine days to fall from Earth to Tartarus. So maybe it's a little less to fall from the underworld to Tartarus, mm-hmm. but, you know, same, same general mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. I don't know what to do. Nico said it softly at first to himself, and then he looked at Will. I don't know how we survived this. Wind blew through Will's bushy hair. In the fiery light of Tartarus, his bronze skin seemed to glow again, each whisker on his cheeks a filament of gold. Nico found it completely unfair that even as they dropped to their deaths, Will still looked stunning. Nico, Will said, his tone suddenly confident, infused with sincerity. If anyone can save us from this, it's you. And in that moment, Nico pushed aside his panic and fear because, well, Will Solis believed in him. The voices of the Acheron had dispersed as the waterfall broke into a loose funnel cloud of rain, but their words still rang in Nico's head. So cavalier with life, you distribute death like a 
badge of pride. A solution sprouted in his mind. He was in Tartarus. Death was all around him. It was time to use that to his favor. Will, hold on to my feet. What? Just do it. How does this work? <laughs> Basically, for those who remember the no context spoilers that Mark posted, Nico pretty much just makes like oh skate ramp, like a skate ramp out of bones, out of bones, and <laughs> so he essentially rock. just like he just does like a fucking skateboard move into Tartarus. They do have to thank Tony Hawk, of course, and all the dead who made this moment possible. His giddiness was infectious. Nico couldn't help it. The enormity of what they just survived hit him, and the only thing he could do was laugh. Nico, you. Will dissolves into giggling. <laughs> you just built a half pipe of the dead. I'd like to thank Tony Hawk and all the dead who made this moment possible. Right on cue, the towering slope of skeletons collapsed into a lifeless mountain of bones. Nico crawled over to Will and rested his head on Will's thigh. Welcome to Tartarus, <laughs> Nico said. Then he passed out. Yeah. Damn. I also really quickly would like to point out the other Persebeth parallel we get here. Please. Which is as they're falling through Tartarus to sort of give hope. I'm just going to read it. Nico fought against the darkness, against the fear, and the cold that wanted to paralyze him. Turning his head took every bit of his energy, but he put his mouth next to Will's ear, took a measured breath, and then said the words he hoped Will would hear. Three words. A promise of hope. The words tingled in Will's ear. They ignited his heart. I love you. And they fell. Now, will you read that section from House of Hades? From uh, um, um... House of Hades. But Gaia wasn't like other gods. The Earth Mother was older, more vicious, more bloodthirsty. Annabeth could imagine her laughing as they fell into the depths. Annabeth pressed her lips to Percy's ear. "I love you." She wasn't sure he could hear her, but if they were going to die, she wanted those to be her last words. Oh my God! It's literally the same. This is how we interact with canons to tell stories and to broaden ideas about what is important and how, how we understand new things to be in the legacies of things that we already have established frames for. Yeah. It's like when we were in the trials of Apollo and we were watching Apollo himself look to Percy Jackson instead of Hercules or Theseus for information on how to win quests and stuff. Instead of retelling the tales of antiquity we are retelling the tales of the Percy heroes Jackson. of olympus like <laughs> that is yeah that is how canon builds upon itself rick raritan is the classic it's beautiful it's beautiful to know how it ends and still begin to sing it again you know i remember telling erica specifically when i was first reading the book like oh when i come on i want to come on for the gayest part and then like people claimed what i thought would be the gayer parts but this this is a lot, dude. Like, damn. I did I did not realize how much of a relationship I would get out of these five chapters mm -hmm. where it's like, hey, they had a fight. Hey, they're like struggling to move on in their goals because one of them's literally hurt and the other one's like emotionally damaged. Hey, they think they're going to die. So they're going to like say, I, or Nico's going to be like, I love you just in case that's the last thing he gets to say to Will. And then, you know, half pipe of <laughs> fucking bones, but... Oh, man, this is great. To know how it ends and still begin to sing it again, as if it might hmm. turn out this time. Do you, do you want to contextualize that reference for the listeners? <laughs> Fine. It's from the finale of Town. After spoiler, she dies. Because spoiler, Orpheus looks back. And Hermes is looking down into the pit, the road to hell. 
Much like this pit that we are currently falling in. I don't think those are spoilers. Well, certain people didn't know the myth when you took them to the show. So, you know. Okay. Well, (laughs) thank you, Robert, for doing the labor that we should have done preparing to compare Persebeth to this moment. (laughs) It's my pleasure. I believe a podcast long ago used to ask the question, is Persebeth the greatest love story ever told? And (laughs) not only is it maybe still the greatest love story ever told, but it is a love story that inspires other love. Yeah. Persebeth feels so aspirational at this point because they're like so mythic. Like we said, like they're the blueprint now. They're They're the the classic story. They're the measure. Absolutely. Yeah. But this book is deeply special. I've never had an experience reading a book like I experienced reading this one. That's going to be special for the rest of my life, I think. All right, y'all. It's late. It's time for bed. (laughs) Carter got off of a straight 11-hour flight and came right here. Dedication to the bed. We will be back soon to journey through the pit of Tartarus. Thank you, Robert. Do you want to promote stuff or I can just drop it in the show notes? Same thing as usual. Y'all, if you've heard my voice, that's a sitch. Entering Storybrooke, The Bits, Trum Grammar Book Club, Too Many Podcasts, also, damn meme page. If you want to see memes, damn spell D-A-M. We'll link them all in our show notes. Check out Robert everywhere on all corners of the internet. Thank you for being here, listeners. Virtual hug. Good night. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, all. <laughs> <laughs>